I could follow Christ, pledge to Him my faith. Bound by duty to His cross, I could obey. But the love I found is compelling me to serve Him from a heart that's been redeemed. I will give my all, every breath of life, to the highest call, for the love of Christ, every offering, every sacrifice, I will do it all, for the love of Christ. May I never serve from a heart of fear, thinking only that the end is drawing near. Oh, but Lord, I pray that in all I do, I'd be driven by a heart that pleases you. I will give my all, every breath of life, to the highest goal, for the love of Christ, every offering, every sacrifice, I will do No other would suffice My one and only reason Remains the love of Christ Of Christ I will give my all Every breath of life To the highest call For the love of Christ Every hope of it's important that we know why we do what we do. Amen? Amen. That's good. Well, again, we are thrilled to have with us Brother Van Horn, and uh, he's been with us uh, the last couple of days, and boy, it's been exciting. Glad to have him with us. <clears throat> it's nice to, uh, uh, you know, I, I, we don't have a ton of speakers in all the time, but it's nice every once in a while to have a speaker in that I already know, and that's kind of nice, or that at least I know in a different level, put it that way. And like I say, I know... Uh, uh, we, as believers, can have friendships, and we don't have to see each other all the time, and it's like we've never, never stopped fellowshipping, and it could be years, and you're just like, wow, it's like you pick right up where you left off, uh, but in this case, uh, Brother Van Horn and I, we've, I think we got quite a bit in common, and uh, it's always good to see him, and I've been blessed and encouraged. We've been having lunches here, and some of the ladies and been making some lunches in the afternoon for the missionary families. And then, of course, in the evening around 5 o'clock, we get together and go out and grab something to eat and have an opportunity to fellowship and get to know some of these uh, missionaries. And that's been an encouragement and a blessing. 
And uh, I think this is the first time we have ever done this, uh, and this is just, I guess, to my shame, <clears throat> where we've actually had families in and we made it, a, I guess, a bigger deal. Um, so, you know, and that's basically Brother Kavanaugh's kind of leadership just said, hey, why don't we do this and do this? And I, I agreed until I realized we were all of the building working our heads off, and I thought, were we nuts to start this this week? But let me tell you something, it's been good. And it's been a blessing, and we're certainly glad every one of the missionary families have been able to be with us, and we're certainly thankful for them. But uh, anyway, brother, you come preach for us, would you please? And again, uh, I don't know, you didn't have any coffee tonight, did you? No, I had one before I came. Uh, oh, good, good, okay. <laughs> uh, I appreciated that testimony about your college uh, being four years to get straight my first four-year degree was the best 11 years of my life. <laughs> oh, amen. What a, what a great testimony. Caught right off, uh, right off the bat. He wasn't from around here, didn't you? <laughs> Y'all, I love it. Amen. Uh, they don't, most, a lot of folks don't even recognize that I'm originally a Buckeye anymore because I got all that y'all stuff in there. We use hose pipes down south. We don't use garden hoses anymore. Uh, all kinds of that strange stuff. But um, anyhow... <clears throat> good to be in the house of God, boy. The Lord's already been here in a great way. It's almost like we could, uh, since when you gave that testimony, I think we could have just had an altar call right there. Uh, we've got one war room started tonight, this week. One lady that's willing to go in and, and pray, and uh, that's absolutely incredible. It humbles me, amen, but uh, I thank the Lord. I'm thinking about all this heaven and hell stuff and Wow, three million, over three million people, most of them are Muslim. Brother, um, really uh, go to our website, our Rock of Ages website, or stop in. I tried to get your wife there. Uh, you guys are close to our, our home office. But uh, Dr. Robert Keaton has written a wonderful book on how to win a Muslim to Christ. And, of course, you know, being in a prison ministry, we've dealt with Muslims for years. It's an incredible tool. So, uh, And that may be something you might want to have in your library as well. Dr. Keaton wrote it. I did a tremendous job. We're, we're uh, certainly grateful for that. Well, amen. Um, I heard a tale of a couple that used to like to go to uh, cemeteries and look at the old tombstones, and and they found this one, and uh, the old boy pointed it out. It said this on it, Remember me as you pass by, for as you are, so once was I. But as I am, you too will be, so be content to follow me. Well, it had proven uh, to someone a, a quite an inspirational statement, so he scratched on the stone underneath it, to follow you, I am content. I just wish I knew which way you went. <laughs> uh, and we joke and sometimes about stuff like that, but the truth is it's heaven or hell. I uh, tried to witness to the lady behind the, the counter today and give her a gospel tract and she just, uh, is there any other questions I, I can answer, sir? Yes, yes, ma'am. If you die today, you know where you'd spend eternity? Didn't look at me, didn't grunt, didn't nothing. Just gave me my bag and away I went. Um, maybe she's saved. I hope she is. She just doesn't want to talk about it. I don't know. But that's really what it's all about is just sharing our faith. Amen? Amen. You know, it's good to be here again. Uh, I've got a, um, a very important... Uh, update. I must. Um, I must clarify something. <clears throat> Last night in my preaching, I said that my mom probably weighed a hundred pounds soaking wet. I got a text right after my message. It's one twenty-three. Amen. 
Love you, Mom. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. I, I, have, I have some wonderful parents. Amen. I really do. My dad is sold out to the service of God. Amen. Took his senior years where he could have just kicked back. He'd already retired from uh, the, the general telephone company. Uh, had a little uh, construction company running a dump truck and stuff and just could have took life easy. Had a beautiful, beautiful, lived on a 40-acre farm back in the woods. I mean, just gorgeous. Uh, sold it all and, and moved to Crestline, Ohio. My mom followed, and, and uh, uh, my mom prays for me every single day. Whenever I go to leave out of the country, she knows where I'm going, when I'm going, and I'm, I'm thankful to know she'll call and we'll talk, and uh, she'll pray with me right there at the airport, and, and uh, I, I'm th- very, very thankful for my parents. Amen? Well, if you have your Bible, I'm going to try and be quick tonight. I'd like to show you a mission starting in Genesis 1, and we'll finish up tonight in Revelation. I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's for you, Caleb. Amen. He's like, amen. Back to Luke chapter 5, if you will, tonight. Um, Sleep comes a little bit difficult when you're still in different time zones. I did not even doze off till 4 o'clock this morning. So I spent a little bit of time reading, a lot of time praying and deciding whether I should get up and read or just lay there. And I'd pull my phone out, turn the screen all the way down as dim as it would go. Uh, but I couldn't help but to think about this this mission revival, if you will, that that we we see started there at the shore there at Lake Gennesaret. And I, I really believe, of course, this was the very beginning of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the time when Christ would reveal himself as the man, the promised Messiah. Amen. He'd already begun to, um, can I say it this way, show out just a little bit and show the people who he was back up everything that he had to say with his power, amen, uh, and prove some things. So I just want to talk to you a little bit tonight. Uh, some of you young college students, do me a favor. Uh, help me out and put a title to this thing so I can label it when I'm done. I'm no good at titles, so just if, if something comes across your mind, Brother Caleb would be okay, amen. Uh, uh, you just go ahead <clears throat> and uh, give us a title, and we'll just say that it's, it's settled there, amen. Uh, And it came to pass, if you'll stand in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, it came to pass when he was in a certain city, again, that's Christ, being, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Isn't that amazing that he knew that Jesus could do it? He was so confident. He'd obviously seen some of the other miracles take place. But then again, so did Thomas, and Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I can stick my finger in your hand. Amen? Different levels of faith, I believe, here we see. Uh, And he put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. And he charged him to tell no man, but go and show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing according as Moses commanded for testimony unto them. Uh, The Lord Jesus is all about... Um, doing things decently and in order. Amen. That's why I believe church should be done, held decently and in order. Uh, And he did this. So much could be preached on right in those passages. Why in the world didn't Jesus want it proclaimed? Well, if it was proclaimed, he'd have been busy with crowds and crowds of people healing them instead of taking time to disciple his, his chosen there. Verse 15, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him from their infirmities. Father, we love you. Thank you again for Calvary, the great music that we've heard today, the great testimony, Lord. 
You're working on hearts in this place. Young men are listening. Lord, your messages are, are working on their hearts. I've had many come up to me and shake my hand. And Lord, uh, it's just you. It's not me. And Lord, I, I pray that these young men, these ladies, everyone in this church understands that they can have the same touch of God on their lives. It's the same God that works through me, that works through their pastor, that works through their Sunday school teachers, their parents. It's the same God, and it's you. So help now, Father, as I try and bring this thought across this evening in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you. Be seated. We know the world is full of turmoil. All you have to do is turn on the news. I really try and stay away from the news. Um, I, it's, it's kind of important for me, a world traveler, to know what's going on. It was pretty good to know that uh, the airport in Istanbul was, <laughs> was bombed because it was bombed just about, I guess, a month before I went through. So some of those things are good to know, but we know that the, the, the world is full of turmoil. And don't you really know that people are looking for answers? They really are. A lot of people are seeking for truth. They're seeking for it. Now, could you imagine having the cure for cancer in a book? I know we'd run right straight down and share it with the higher institutions of learning in the medical field, wouldn't we? I know this work. It's tried and proven. We'd want the world to know that we have a cure for cancer. Now, the pharmaceutical companies probably wouldn't want you to share that. Uh, they're too busy making money, amen. But uh, I know uh, I certainly would if, if Miss Amanda Jeremias could be healed from the breast cancer she's enduring right now, one of our missionary's daughters, and, and please write her name down and pray for her, Amanda Jeremias. Uh, but I'm telling you, folks, we have a book. <laughs> we have a book that has a cure for eternal death. And it guarantees eternal life. Why? Why are we afraid to share it with the world? Why? I'm asking you a question. Why are you afraid to tell someone how to stay out of hell? Why as born-again Bible-believing Christians do we have to come and hold mission conferences and preach and and beg the church people that are born again, Bible-believing, saved and on their way to heaven, and plea with them just to give us what God said belonged to Him in the first place so you could get blessed and then go above and beyond so you could receive more blessings. The more faithful we are, the more He blesses. Amen? Just try Him. Just, he may not bless it financially, but I want to promise you one thing. Inner peace, you can't put a price tag on it. You cannot put a price tag on knowing when you put your head on a pillow at night, whether it's a rock underneath the stars or whether it's a nice cushy uh, mattress with a fluffy pillow, that you have peace with God. No price can a person put on that. I want to look now and continue to see what's happening as this revival started in the hearts of the disciples that he called that were willing to just throw down their entire livelihood cast it uh, there and just leave it sit, that great big hall in, who knows what that would have been worth, and just turn their back on it and follow the Messiah. Didn't even know where he was going. He said, I'm going with you. Didn't know whether he had a place to live, and, and they would spend many nights under the star. Could you imagine those campfire conversations? I, I just wish we had some of those recorded. 
Wouldn't that been incredible? How many times have we sat around our own tables or even just talking back and forth as preachers do, talking about different things, Brother Dave, and, and just, the, just the, the different things that we talk about him, speculating what it might be like. And Jesus is there talking to those 12, just having a good old time. And those guys had peace. They had, I bet you they didn't want to go to sleep. They'd want to hear more. Amen? Well... In verse 16 of that same chapter, the Bible says, And he withdrew himself into the wilderness, and he prayed. Well, if there's any conviction I have in my soul, if my, if my Christian life fails anywhere, it's in my prayer life. Now, I'm, I'm good at talking to the Lord just about all day long asking Him to help that old Chevrolet. I've prayed so many times for my fenders and for my tires and for my transmission, amen, and for my engine. Well, I got 109,000 miles out of the last two sets of tires that I've had. 105,000, 109. I think I'll keep praying, amen, and driving the speed limit. It's hard to ask God to bless something when you plan on sinning when you get in it. I, yeah, I, 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 I'll tell you like Brother Ron said, I ain't got no friends behind this pulpit. You don't even make me nervous, Jack. Amen. <laughs> truth is truth. Why do we ask God to bless us when we get in our car and go out there and go 77 in a 70 because we know we won't get a ticket? Not even in my notes. <laughs> and it came to pass... Jesus relied on those prayers, didn't he? I don't understand all that. He was praying to the God that he is. Amen. I don't get it. And you know what? I'll never have to worry about asking him a why or how either because the Bible says, I believe in John chapter 16, when I see him, you'll ask me nothing. Right. <laughs> we'll just know. What an inc- I can't wait for that, man. That is going to be so incredible. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judah and Jerusalem, sem- or colon, stop, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The worst of them, those Pharisees, those doctors of law, those ones that hated the Messiah, the ones that would ultimately put him on the cross, the power was present to heal even them. You can't get bad enough where Jesus can't rescue you. Amen. You, there's enough grace to save Hitler. There was enough grace to save Saddam Hussein. There's enough grace to save any of that heathen bunch. Amen? There is. The power of the Lord was available. But the great faith from the newborn Christians caused them to bring their friends. The great faith of a newborn Christian. Look as it continues in verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with the palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went on the housetop, led him down through the tilings uh, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. It was the faith of the followers that moved the heart of Christ to forgive the friends to forgive their friend and see hit their friend's sin, and to heal uh, his infirmity. 
It's going to be our faith that God will honor in saving the Bosnian people. Yes, amen. It's going to be our faith. And if you don't have enough faith to go, you ought to have enough faith to make sure they can. It's our responsibility. Everybody's got a part in the game. Amen? Everybody's got a part in the game. And when they saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven. Verse 21, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, when Jesus perceived their thoughts. <laughs> Don't you know that had to blow their mind? Jesus would begin to talk to them about what they were thinking. <laughs> now, wait a minute. How do you know that? Huh? Isn't that something? My wife and I, we've been together so long now. <laughs> she's by far the best wife I've ever had. I'm telling you. Uh, don't worry. She's the only one. Hallelujah. 34 years. And it's like we think the exact same things. We got on this crowded bus getting off the airplane. Some of these, these airports, you get off the airplane out on the tarmac, you get into a bus, and then you, they ride you over to the airport. We get in this thing. We didn't say a word to each other. That night, we got in the hotel room. She said, you know what I thought about when I got in that bus? And I'm like, oh, this is going to be really weird. And she said, all I could think about was those poor German people that got on those, those trains and were shipped off to the Holocaust. And I said, honey, that's really weird. Because that's what I was thinking. But yet here you've got these Pharisees with foolishness going on in their mind. And Jesus perceived their thoughts and answered them. Boy, that would have been enough to make you turn around right there. Wouldn't you think? My soul. Whether is it easier to say in verse 23, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but ye, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thy house. And immediately, bam, just like that. Yep. I mean immediately. He rose up before them, took, uh, took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Preacher and I was talking yesterday about a book. It's called The Fear of God by S. Franklin Logston. I got a pretty good notion it might be in the singles class one of these days. Amen. It's an incredible book dealing with basically living in the presence of God. It's not a fear as if I'm afraid God's going to zap me, but it's a, a, a reverence of Him. It's a, a, it's, it's a revering Him to uh, as he, he is the God of heaven. And, and if He's in our presence, certainly would you act different than you act now? We ought to get to a place where we wouldn't act any different if He was sitting right there by the way He is. We shouldn't act any different in church than we do in home. We shouldn't treat our wives any different at church than we do at home. We shouldn't treat our children any different uh, at home than we do here in the church. Jesus is here. He's there. He's everywhere. Christ had once again proved to his new staff that he was God. 
had those guys back there, and he said, look, fellas, I'm just trying to show you I am who I am. I've got a job for you to do. I'm going to be gone in a couple years, and you're going to have to take this on. I just want you to know who you're serving. Amen. Amen. We as men of God have a great responsibility. Some of these young men have come up and talked to me and told me how my life has influenced them. And, and that humbles me. It scares me. Because what happens if this preacher falls to sin and you hear from your latest Facebook post that something happened to Brother Van Horn? And oh my soul, the, the ripple effect that, that takes place. We men of God have such a great responsibility. Christians have a great responsibility. People are watching, your friends are watching, your co-workers are watching you to see how you handle things. Act as if God's in your presence at all times. He not only healed the man, but he told them he had the power to forgive sins too. And only God can do that. Mission revival should accomplish a few things. If received properly, uh, I've written down 72 things tonight. I won't tell anybody you told me to preach short, Brother Caleb. I I won't. Indian gain and that that nonsense. I, I, I... it's just you and me, buddy. That's the only ones that'll know. It should cause you to totally commit your life to Christ. Basically, totally. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to send you to Africa. But look what these men did. They totally committed their life to Christ. Major Ian Thomas said this in his book, The Saving Life of Christ. Young singles, how many read that book clear through? Amen. Isn't that an incredible book? Uh, The only ultimate source of divine activity in all spiritual life is God himself, to whom God would make known what is the riches and glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Incredible book. Get you some good old-fashioned authors and listen to them. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh the creator of the universe, the author and finisher of your salvation, my father, my friend, the king of kings, the lord of glory, the comforter, the counselor, the keeper, the protector, the provider, lives inside of the believer ready to do his will in their lives. I couldn't help it but today. I I was getting so filled about, and I'm just writing down these names that were coming to my mind, and all of a sudden I remembered S.M. Lockridge. Did you ever hear S.M. Lockridge preach? Well, I got it written down. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach his entire hour and six-minute message. This is a two-minute clip that should rock your world as it's done mine. Google, okay? You all that Google. I don't need Google. My wife knows everything. Um, But Google, that's my king, all right, by S.M. Lockridge. And listen to this old black man of God give you what I'm fixing to give you. Amen. He says, my king was born king. The Bible said he's a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of right. I can't do it like he does. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages, the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He'd say, now that's my king. He said, my king is a sovereign king. His immortality, his immortality is graceful. He is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of the world. He'd then say, well, I wonder if you know him. <laughs> I wish you could hear him saying it, and I hope you'll Google it tonight. Do you know him? He'd say, don't try to mis- mislead me. He said, do you know my king? 
David said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. My King is the only one whom there are no means of measure that can define His limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shore of supplies. Mark that one down, missionary. Uh, He goes on to say, No barriers can hinder Him from pouring out His blessing. He's enduringly strong, entirely sincere, eternally steadfast, immortally graceful. Somebody ought to shout amen here sooner or later. Imperially powerful, impartially merciful. That's my King. He's God's Son. He'd continue to say, He's the sinner's Savior, the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in Himself. He's august, unique. He's unparalleled, unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He said, well, He's the lofty... He'd say it like this. Well, He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of proved theology. He's the carnal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the bride to be and the only one qualified to be all sufficient Savior. Amen and amen. That's my King, He'd say. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you can choose to call Him. Well, He's the only one able to supply all of your needs simultaneously. Amen. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. He strengthens and sustains. He's our strong guard. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. Regards the aged. Amen. He rewards the diligent and beautifies the meek. Do you know Him? Oh, He's not done. Well, my king is the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom, the doorway of deliverance, the pathway of peace, the roadway of righteousness, the highway of holiness, the gateway of glory, the master of the mighty, the captain of the conquerors, the head of the heroes, the leader of the legislator, the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors, the prince of princes, the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. That's my king. And he's got two, yeah... Yeah, right there. Oh, he's not done. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteousness. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And then he would say, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. He said, I'm coming to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain Him, let alone a man explain Him. He would go on to say, you can't get Him out of your mind. You can't get Him off your hands. You can't outlive Him, and you can't live without Him. The Pharisees couldn't stand Him, but they found out they couldn't stop Him. Amen. Pilate couldn't find any fault in Him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill Him. Death couldn't handle Him, and the grave couldn't hold Him. That's my king. He always has been and He always will be. I'm talking about He had no predecessor and He'll have no successor. Amen. There was nobody before Him. There'll be nobody after Him. You can't impeach Him. And good news, He's not going to resign. 
I think this old man of God loved him. Amen. And I love to hear the old preacher say it. He'd say, that's my king. That's my king. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Well, all the power belongs to my king. We're around here talking about black power and white power and green power. But it's God's power. Thine is the power and the glory. We try prestige and honor and glory for ourselves. But the glory's all his. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And he'd say, and how long is that? And ever and ever and ever and ever. And when you get through with all the evers, then amen. I believe the old man of God was in touch with the king of kings. You got to listen to him. He does it so much better than me. You've heard it, haven't you? He does it so much better than me. But it's so real. Is he all that and more to you? Then why are we f- afraid to tell somebody? What makes us think that God can't bless our finances if we double our faith promise and take on 50 new missionaries before you get into the new building? God will take care of that building. That's His house. And I'm not talking about taking anything from your building fund ministry and putting it in the missions either. Don't you dare do that. I'll pray every flea in the state of Ohio gets in your armpits is what I'll do. You're not called upon to commit yourself to a need or a task or to a field. Listen carefully. You're called upon to commit yourself to God. It is He then that takes care of the consequences and commits you where He wants you. He is the Lord of the harvest. Major I am Thomas. Just what area of your life is Jesus not worthy or capable of handling? You don't think He can handle your checkbook? And I could stand here tonight and tell you story after story after story. I mean, I could tell you stories of how God has blessed my giving. Do you think I'm a missionary and missionaries only have their hands out? You know, usually missionaries are become missionaries because they're givers. That's right. And I'm not bragging on me, but tonight I'm telling you. My wife and I support more missionaries than some churches do. And I'm not bragging, church. I'm not. Why do you think God's given us the privilege to do what we do? I tried him. I proved him. I tested him. And he's everything he said he is. Everything and more. Well, secondly, it should cause you to be willing to do anything that he asks you to do. Thank you, sis, for just getting up, finding you an extra little spot. I'm not trying to lift you up tonight, but there's some folks that could shut the TV off for an hour and pray for an hour real easy. You could shut that favorite television show off and fast from it till Jesus comes. You probably don't need to look at that filth anyhow. amazes me how many Christians are laughing at these television shows with sodomites on them. You call it entertainment. One of these days, Billy's going to bring home Joey and you're going to be upset. But you invited it into your home and you laughed at it for years. Not even in my notes tonight, church. I'm just trying to help you a little bit. Neither shall thou bring an abomination into thine house, lest thou become a curse like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it. Thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. 
say that's in the law. Yeah, and the law is our schoolmaster. You want to have a clean house? You want to have a powerful house? Clean that thing up, get the junk out of it, and start spending more time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Glory. Start your day every day with S.M. Lockridge telling you some of the names of him and start adding your own to it. See how long that list could be. Dr. Keene said this, there's only three categories from which to contribute your your shekels, your seed, and yourself. Deputation can get kind of difficult sometimes. Brother Brother Keene started what's called First Bible International. After he finished his list of friends, of pastors that he had come to know for 35 years and couldn't hardly get past the secretary, he said he started calling, and as soon as the secretary would answer, he'd say, hello, this is Charles King with the FBI. I need to speak to the preacher. Got right through. Now, he never did bother to tell us what happened after he got to talk to the pastor. You'll either contribute your shekels or be willing to let your children go. It's not easy to let your kids go, is it, Doc? Your your parents are watching them grandbabies right now. It's not easy when you... But we got that Skype stuff now, amen? We Skype all the time with my grandbabies. They're 10 hours away from me, 10 hours away. We, we'll just carry them around. We hang out together. We were walking up the steps the other day. I was in Aiden's hand, and it is so real. That little rascal reached over and grabbed a squirt bottle and squirted pawpaw in the face. I said, don't squirt, Aiden. And all of a sudden, the phone goes <laughs> black. God's given us all these ways to communicate. Everybody should have a part in the mission program. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody should have a part. I have one church that occasionally sends me a little note from the older ladies. The, the writing they signed, but you could tell it's real shaky, means the world to me. Bethel Baptist Church down in near the Dayton area. Wonderful group. One church gives Paul and I uh, a, a little gift for our birthday. We get an extra little bit on our support check every year, ever since they took us on support, just to say I love you. Just, just little things like that. A few churches send me an email, says, you're the missionary of the month. What are your special prayer requests this week? That's, that's, that's amazing stuff to me. That's incredible. People are thinking about us. I go into churches. People tell me all the time, I pray for you every day of my life. It blows me away. The incredible responsibility that's been placed on us. I have many of those ladies, and I thank God I got me another one tonight. Hallelujah. You're my hero, sis. Absolutely my hero. Well, I believe when we uh, get up to heaven, I think the Lord's going to tell the big preachers to just stand aside for a minute and let those dear saints of God walk on up to the front and say, they'd have done nothing, not, they would have accomplished nothing without you and your closet. Maybe you could talk to your pastor about starting a missionary prayer ministry. With this crazy social media stuff, what if you took some time and just read through every single missionary prayer letter that comes in and post a few of their major prayer requests? We ask for prayer requests because we need prayer. Amen, Brother Van Horn. Hallelujah. That's good preaching. We do. We don't just ask for prayer requests because we want to fill up a page on a prayer letter. We know if God's people will pray, it will get to the throne room of heaven and things, business picks up. Amen. Business picks up could start posting those specific needs. be wonderful to know if 50 or 100 people received a prayer reminder. Little kids in Cambodia, 3.9 million people in Bosnia. How about Nepal where it's illegal 
to preach. Don't you think these folks know, need to know that you're praying? And to work with the Jewish people? Oh, my stars. God's chosen people don't want anything to do with God's book. But we're called to go. Well, <clears throat> you may not be called to go to Africa, but what if your kid comes up and says, I believe God's calling me to go? What would you say to them when they got a couple little grandbabies? You're the one that told me that your young men on this staff don't know where they're called to yet. They're still praying and seeking. That's going to be a tough call, but thank God. What a, how my heart was thrilled tonight to see your family up here preaching or singing. It just thrills my heart to see your family up here. It's incredible. Now, he may just want you to finance some of the missionaries. <laughs> You'd be absolutely amazed. And, and you know what? If you'll make your commitment based on the power of God to fulfill it, amen, then, then, then don't be ashamed to let the world know what God's doing. I like what Dr. Keene said. I really like him. You'd be good to get to know him, preacher. He's an incredible man of faith. He said, when I was a pastor and we had great attendance at our Faith Promise Mission Revivals, that's what he said, great attendance. He said, because I lightly told the congregation if they were not here, I was going to fill their Faith Promise card out for them. <laughs> but you see, Faith Promise is really quite simply, is what he says. Now listen to this. This is very, very deep, but yet very simple. Faith Promise is quite simply God responding to your commitment. Peter committed his life when he jumped out of that boat, didn't he? A different boat than what we were talking about. Uh, he could have jumped out and went right straight down. But he jumped out and walked on water. Don't get on Peter because he sunk after two or three steps. I don't know if anybody else recorded walking on water but Jesus. Amen. Faith promise is quite simply God responding to your commitment. I like those testimony times. Down south, brother, they have testimony services, don't they? They're incredible. I've had literally been in church services where the testimony time started and the church service didn't end until after 10 and 11 o'clock and the preacher never stood. Altars filled. You've been down in Georgia, down that, that area. You say, well, a lot of that's just that phony show stuff. No, 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 no. No, it's incredible to watch the Spirit of God move. And it happens when people are not afraid, when the redeemed are not afraid to stand up and say so. It's incredible. Tell your pastor what God's done to your heart. Young people, if God's told you to go somewhere this, during this conference, you feel God's called you to preach, you feel God's called you to be a missionary, don't you dare fear. God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but that of power and love and of a sound mind. And if God's called you to do something this week, settle it, nail it down. Tell the man of God and he'll tell you, he'll help you. Get it settled. The first mission revival that we've been reading and studying about started a worldwide movement to promote the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's what it started. We must keep that torch lit and continue doing what this generation has been trusted with. Our generation has been trusted to get this gospel message to the next generation. That's exactly what it was, what it, what's taken place. And we, church, must prepare this next generation for what they're getting ready to face. 
We can see it. We can see the handwriting on the wall. This gray hair tells us it's called wisdom. We can see what's going on. A lot of the young people don't even care about this, this, this government stuff that's taking place right now. They don't even care about Washington, D.C. But I got news for you. What takes place in 14 days will ultimately affect everyone in this room, young and old alike. We've got to warn our young people. We've got to teach our young people how to be strong and stand up for Jesus Christ and not to cower. It may cost your life. It did that young lady in Columbine. But I'll guarantee you when she stepped through the threshold of heaven with the last phrase in her mouth, I'll not deny Jesus. He's my Savior. You can guarantee she got a warm welcome. Amen. Amen. Our future generations must be, must be prepared must be prepared to promote Christ in the light of persecution. So will your faith will your faith be an influence to them? Or will it be a discouragement to them? You're either going to influence the young people of this church right here to go on for God after they graduate from high school. Or your faith is going to cause them to just, uh, that's nothing going on down at that place. Teenagers are leaving the churches in America because people in the pews are fake. Yes, they are. It breaks my heart. I see it all the time. They're fake. They're fake. The God of heaven that they come in here and shout about isn't good enough to take care of them on, uh, in their own homes. And the kids think to themselves, well, why should I fool around with it if it's not good enough for mom and dad at home? Or maybe it's just my mom and dad are the only ones in the entire church that dress like that or act like that. So maybe it's my mom and dad that are crazy. Well, I am just a bit crazy. My dad has a life verse for me. Matthew 17, 15. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's lunatic. <laughs> but you know what? I'm so crazy, I'm just fastened onto the right bolt, and I'm going to stick with him. Because he is my king of kings. I don't have a problem telling anybody about him. Amen. That, that they don't even make me nervous. Because his name alone has That's why I hesitate to call him God. I just as soon call him Jesus. Amen. He is God, but I want him to hear Jesus because there's enough gods in this world and they'll just line him up with everybody else. But I just as soon call him Jesus, the God of creation. Amen. Well, what's he done for you this week, church? If you leave this place the same, I'm going to wonder whether you're even saved. Not because of my preaching. I promise you, but because of the spirit that seems to be in this place. If you go home from this week of meetings the same, not making commitments to do anything different than you've done before, and you're here on Tuesday night, so I know I'm preaching to the choir. Go ahead and tell the rest of the crowd that you filled out their faith promise card. I think that'd be hilarious. Amen. (laughs) Don't go home the same. Write down what's taken place in your life this week. Write it down somewhere where you can be reminded. Because if you're not careful, the cares of this world will go away. 
The cares of the world will cause your decision to go away. Write it down, post it on your fridge, and remember what God's done for you this week. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you tonight for your goodness. Thank you for this pulpit.